So with um, that, we're going to begin the program for today. Um, today, the topic is for the love of headwaters, what can we do? Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Michelle Day, and I'll be the um, moderator for this afternoon. So I'd like to welcome everybody to the, today's SACPA session, and we'll start off by acknowledging that uh, the events take place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3, and pay respect to their past, present, and future cultural heritage, beliefs, and relationship to the land. We commit to do our utmost to assist with efforts to mend and heal the past and present injustices. Um, so as regular SACPA program, um, today we will I will introduce our guest speaker. Um, we'll have lunch after her presentation, which is chilly today. So friendly reminder that uh, please put the $14 for lunch, $5 for students, or $2 for coffee in the bowls on each table and in each table could highlight a leader to make sure that that was done. Um, so yeah, let's start um, with our guest pre presenter. So our drinking water comes from the Old Man River, but uh, where does it start? So today we're going to learn about the efforts of the Old Man Watershed Council. Um, they have done unique approach using social science methodologies, which involve doing a lot of grassroots development through partners, volunteers, testing strategies like signs and pledges to change behavior, and engaging the hearts, hands, and heads of individuals to help support the area. Since 2015, they've been busy conducting 283 surveys, They've talked to more than 5,600 people, and they help plant over 4,300 willows and trees. So there is a lot of grassroots development and support there. So I'd like to introduce our guest speaker, Sophie Forstrom. And Sophie uh, Forstrom is the Education Program Manager for the Old Man Watershed Council. Since 2015, Sophie's been coordinating education and restoration activities in the headwaters and beyond in order to promote watershed uh, literacy and cultivate a strong sense of place. Sophie earned a Master of Science in Applied Ecology. She has a Bachelor of Arts in Environmental Studies. And prior to this position, she's done some work in the Royal Terrell Museum in Drumheller. So I would really like to welcome Sophie Forstum to the stage. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thanks, everyone. It's a long way down to the table. Okay. All right. Well, as you may know, the Old Man Watershed Council is a community-based nonprofit, and we are one of 11 watershed planning and advisory councils here in Alberta. We have been working very hard together with amazing partners and volunteers to improve watershed health through education and stewardship. So today, I would like to share some of the positive things that we have accomplished with the help of our community in our watershed. Here's a little uh, school lesson for everybody to start us off. Our watershed is all the land that drains to the Old Man River. It covers about 23,000 square kilometers, and it extends from High River 
and Vulcan down along the eastern slopes of the Rocky Mountains. It comes up from the United States as well, and our river flows east to where it joins with the Bow to become the South Saskatchewan River just east of Tabor there. So as you can see, it's a fairly large area, and it's more than just water. It also includes all the land, all the plants, all the animals, and surprise, all the people that live here too. So a watershed, as I said, is about more than just water. There was a gentleman named John Wesley Powell. He was an American Civil War veteran, explorer, and scientist. He described a watershed as that area of land, a bounded hydrologic system within which all living things inex are inextricably linked by their common watercourse, and where, as humans have settled, simple logic demanded that they become part of a community. So, on that note, who here is part of the Old Man Watershed Council, or Old Man Watershed? Raise your hand if you have some connection to the land and the water. Look around. These are our neighbors. This is our community. And uh, we all live, work, and play in this place. And we're pretty lucky to do so. Our watershed, though, is fairly large. And it has a lot going on. So if we're going to help protect it, where to even start? Well, at the beginning, of course. <laughs> That's where we should start. Um, we've focused a lot of effort in the last few years in our headwaters. Now, the headwaters is the birthplace of our river. It's all the streams and all the land that drains into the beginning of our river. So here, streams and rivers flow through both public and private land, and people live, ranch, harvest timber, camp, quad, mine, hunt, hike, go bird watching, and probably more things. So like I said, there's a lot going on on this landscape. So in addition to contributing as part of the consultation processes to the development of regional management plans, and giving the watershed and our stakeholders a voice in advising government at all different levels, the Old Man Watershed Council knows that our community values us having our boots on the ground. We like to be hands-on. So off to the backcountry we went. One of the key areas of interest for us in our on-the-ground work is the riparian zone. So this is the transition between land and water. It usually occurs along the stream banks and provides important habitat, reduces erosion, traps sediment, filters runoff, and shades the streams, which keeps the water cool and clean. And that benefits at-risk species like West Slope cutthroat trout. And it also keeps the water clean for communities downstream who will eventually filter and treat the water and drink it and use it to water our animals and our crops. So since 2015, more than 150 staff, partners, and volunteers have helped plant over 4,300 willows and trees along these stream banks at 12 sites in the headwaters. And we've also supported other stewardship, like weed pulls, bridge building, 
garbage cleanups and fencing off riparian areas so that they're only grazed um, during appropriate times of the year. Now at these events, we've had sunshine, we've had rain, we've had snow. It is Alberta, after all. But you might notice in these pictures, everyone always has a smile on their face. Now, the hot coffee and delicious food probably have something to do with that. But I like to think that most of all, it's the camaraderie and those warm fuzzies that we get when we're working outdoors in the fresh air in a beautiful place together with our neighbors to improve our home and our environment. The partners and volunteers that have helped with these events have included community members, anglers, environmental consultants, government staff, NGOs, off-highway vehicle riders, recreational users, post-secondary students, people from the timber industry, and even some kids and local scouts. So we're really proud at Old Man Watershed Council to show how all these different groups can come together and help make a difference on the ground at that grassroots level. Now it might seem like we're just, you know, planting some trees, building some bridges, pulling some weeds, big deal, you know, it's, it's good. But these community-based stewardship actions are actually pretty well thought out, they're educational, and they build community capacity. So the, the feeling that a community has that they can do something and make a difference. Now we understood that in order to be successful in educating and uh, engaging backcountry users in these kinds of civic ecology practices, we have to include some social science. So our project has been a collaborative and holistic endeavor that's involved restoration and education. And we've been putting into practice some cutting edge social science that has been noticed by researchers and practitioners in other watersheds in our province, in other provinces, and even folks in other countries. So that makes us feel pretty special. Here at the Old Man Watershed Council, we are proponents of novel approaches, like having face-to-face -face conversations, talking to people, and empowering them to take action. So one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to understand recreationists' values and gauge their awareness of watershed issues, as well as encourage them to take positive actions. So in the years 2016 and 17, we hired seasonal staff to go out and meet these people where they were at, where they were camping, where they were quadding, and engage them in face-to-face -face conversations. And so they were able to conduct 283 in-person surveys, talking and most importantly listening to more than 830 recreationists in our headwaters. And they were talking about their values, their concerns, and what actions they're already taking to help care for this place. So we found that most people identified as good Albertans. This was kind of in their words. They felt that you know they were people who were family people, they worked hard to provide for their families, and then they were taking good care of the places where they were recreating. They also expressed that they valued access to these places because of opportunities to connect with nature, 
to view wildlife and enjoy scenery. Um, the access for recreational purposes obviously was a big one, and also a chance to unwind and spend time with family. And I think that those values are probably things that, regardless of how we access these places, we can all relate to. We found that maintaining access to these places was actually the main motivation for the recreationists for changing behavior or adopting new behaviors. For most people though, being a good environmental steward meant cleaning up garbage. And so this indicated to us that, you know, there've been decades and decades of anti-littering campaigns and they're starting to have an impact, which is great. We don't want to be littering, we want people to be cleaning up their garbage. But I think it's time for us to expand being a good steward beyond just garbage to include other activities as well to reduce their impact. So it's clear that we have to include things in environmental stewardship like steering clear of water and not spreading invasive species. So we have a little ways to go on some of that. We did find though that using a sign that thanks people for taking the right action, in this case using a bridge, was actually pretty successful at changing behavior and prompting people to cross a stream using a bridge rather than fording through the stream. So people using the bridge, what we did was we set up, we went to these places where there were, was a bridge and a ford that people were driving through the stream and we would go and see how many people used the bridge for a couple hours and then another time go back and put a sign at each end and then do the same thing, count how many are using the bridge and how many are fording the stream. People using the bridge increased from about 63% when there was no sign to 89% using the bridge when a sign was present. So that was just one small little study that our summer staff did on their own to, to have a look at that, but using a bridge was prompted by having that sign there. It might have helped, I'm not, we didn't test different kinds of signs or anything, but it might have helped that those signs had all kinds of different logos on them, not only from environmental groups and whatnot, but also from local recreation groups like the Crozes Pass Quad Squad. For many people, we found that the backcountry is a special place that they would come and visit with their parents and that they're now sharing with their children. So there was a really strong sense of value as a family in these places. And recreationists also expressed the need for education in order to foster responsible behavior. So they were talking about sharing with their children and educating their children, but also the need to educate other users about responsible behaviors. And in our surveys, we found that the understanding of the watersheds and headwaters, these concepts, varied quite widely. Some people knew what they were and why they were important, and others, maybe not so much. So, in response to this, our summer staff created uh, pop-up education stations. So these were portable, interactive activities that they could take out to the backcountry and set up either at day-use areas or even at public events. And these topics ranged from aquatic insects and water quality to native fish and invasive species. And they involved interactive activities like a memory matching game, a fishing game, 
and one of those lift the flap boards, you know, where there's like a board and you have to lift the flap and read the information that's underneath. Everybody knows what that is? Nodding heads? A few? Okay. So six, since 2016, when these were first developed, we have engaged almost 5,700 people through these interactive activities. And we've also given presentations, like at SACPA, at the Beauvais Lake Speaker Series, at different stakeholder workshops, and more. So, so far we've been giving, we've given 10 presentations, actually, this one makes it 11, <laughs> and counting, so hopefully we'll have many more. We also started a campaign called For the Love Of, and you might have seen some of these pictures throughout my presentation today. And this campaign allows people to express what they love or value about the watershed. And that's important because it's starting off by listening to people sharing their values and starting from a place of love, which I think is really important and it's something we all share, a love for the place where we live and play and work, hopefully work. Um, and then they also share an action that they commit to to help take care of it. And these images are being shared not only in this presentation, but also on social media. And it is our hope that by doing this, we are helping to put a face and humanize different users of the watershed, whether you are a rancher or a camper or a quadder or a hiker or somebody that lives in town and likes to garden. And we're hoping that we can also inspire action. And our education and outreach efforts are making a difference in the community. One little girl at one of our public events was so enthralled by the aquatic insects that she saw at our table that she was inspired and decided right then and there, she can't have been more than four, that she was going to become an entomologist when she grows up and she's gonna study insects. So we are making a difference one person at a time. And we feel that we have been building momentum in the headwaters over the past four years. This is the final year of the current grant funding that we have for this work. So as a nonprofit, we're funding this through different various grants. And so what's next for us is to continue with our efforts in terms of restoration and education We'd also like to redo some of those backcountry surveys and see whether that baseline level of awareness and knowledge has shifted at all. And hopefully, moving forward, we can start to do a bit more monitoring as well, not only of riparian health, but funding allowing, fingers crossed, we can start doing some aquatic monitoring as well. And there will likely be some volunteer opportunities coming up in the future. So if anybody is interested in that, definitely keep an eye on our social media and our email newsletter. You can sign up for that on our website. And on that note, we do encourage everyone to get involved. You can volunteer. It can be with us, we'd love that, or with another group doing amazing work. Volunteer at the Helen Schuler Cooley Cleanup, or Weed Pulls, or the Castle Crown Wilderness Coalition Weed Pulls or Blueweed Blitz, or the Trout Unlimited Fish Rescue, which I went to this year for the first time, or last year. It was a lot of fun. 
or come plant willows with us. You can go, as I said, on our webpage to oldmanwatershed.ca slash volunteering and sign up to get notifications about volunteer opportunities. And even if you don't volunteer with us, although we hope you do, um, while you're out and about in the watershed, there are things that we can all do to help care for this place. So remember, first and foremost, to do your best to leave no trace. And this extends beyond just garbage and includes things like keeping your wheels out of water or your hooves if you ride a horse or your hiking boots if you're out for a trek. It includes making sure your campfire is put out, avoiding sensitive areas when they're wet or if they've been restored, and using bridges, as I said. The other important thing to do is to help prevent the spread of invasive species. So to do this, we can clean, drain, and dry our gear, which includes more than just our boats, but also our fishing gear and even our hiking boots, because we don't want to be spreading different invasive species like mussels or pathogens like whirling disease from one water body or area to another. So there's always lots that we can do to help care for these places and enjoy them at the same time. Now, at the beginning of my presentation, I started with a quote, and so I'm going to end with another quote. This one is from a gentleman from the Lackawanna River Conservation Area, or Association, sorry, in Pennsylvania. And I really like this concept. He says, water has a voice. It carries a message that tells those downstream who you are and how you care for the land. We all have a role to play in sending a positive message downstream, down the Old Man River, through the Saskatchewan, all the way into Lake Winnipeg, and eventually Hudson's Bay, which is where our, our water ends up, in case you didn't know. And this work does not happen in isolation. We rely on support, as I mentioned, from grants, donations, as well as partners and volunteers. And I'm sure you're all familiar with the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, while it also takes a community to protect our headwaters and our watershed. So I would like to invite you to please thank me, or join me, not thank me, join me in thanking, <laughs> wow, that was conceited, <laughs> to join me in thanking our funders, partners, and volunteers without whom this work could not have taken place. So thank you to them. And thank you to all of you for your attention and for allowing me to speak at this presentation. <laughs>